Welcome to The Pestle, reviewing and breaking down movies to look for insights into the movie making process. Hosted by Kissing. How weird is it that we just mash our faces together instead of using our words? Let's dim the lights and get frisky. Welcome, everybody, to The Pestle. Today's show is brought to you by Johnny's Bananas. See Johnny Chase go bananas in the edgy new cartoon. See Johnny's Bananas airing Sunday nights. Uh, welcome, everybody, to The Pestle. I am Wes. And I am Todd. And we are filmmakers, actors, writers, directors, all the things. And we like to use all that info to watch a film and see what it says and try to, I don't know, pick it apart or peel back the layers and see if there are layers, first of all, and if there are, what are those layers? How do they deliver them? What are they trying to say through it? Uh, part of the gift and curse of my approach anyway, is I like to just watch the film instead of researching it. I don't want to know what the director was trying to do. I want to know what did I pick up on? Sometimes that results in uh, wrecks <laughs> where I just yeah. miss something. I, you know, you just can't get it all. Or, you know, sometimes it's also, you know, creates interesting conversation around, you know, the way you picked up on something versus the way I picked up on something. Because, um, you know, half the time, probably we, we both walk away with different ideas about the same film, uh, which is equally interesting. And I think that's the, the fun part about art is the ability to look at a painting and see how it affects people differently. Oh, you know, the, the Browns in this painting are really, you know, pulling me in and, uh, kind of giving me something emotionally deep. And, you know, you might look at it and say, Oh no, no, no. It's the, it's the highlights, the, the whites and the pinks, you know, that are really, uh, speaking to me about life and, and beauty. Uh, and so every film, has that in it, uh, the ability anyway to push different things onto the uh, each audience member individually. And so gift or, or curse, you know, uh, what we walk away with is, you know, what we're going to discuss. And so I don't know, what's your approach other than just kind of letting it wash over you? Uh, walking into each episode, do you do much research behind the scenes or uh, do you just kind of collect thoughts or ideas about, oh, I know I want to touch on this. I know I want to touch on that. And then the rest is just kind of reacting to my bullshit. <laughs> yeah, it's just that. Uh, I, I subscribe the same to the same uh, philosophy there of, of yeah, I, I mean, it's easy to go and jump on the internet and see, okay, what did other people say that he meant? Or what did he actually see that he meant with like an interview? But that's a little bit of cheating. Because imagine, imagine, you know, 25 years ago before the internet and, you know, or let's, let's say, uh, taxi driver when taxi driver comes out how are we how are you supposed to know what the director meant by or the writer meant by all of these things right you just you just kind of have to ingest it there was no internet to go searching thing you know interviews from so unless you caught it on tv or something happened to catch an interview with the director which when would you do that <laughs> right. um then you know it's impossible to know so it's just it's just how you receive it i i love how how you do that so yeah, I do the same thing. And that does mean sometimes we're wrong or not wrong. Just like sometimes we see something in a different way. But yeah, I guess that doesn't mean you're wrong. It's just, mm. just, you know, how, you know, where are you in your life when you're watching something like My Blueberry Nights, right? It will totally change how you yeah. see the content, right? I I firmly believe that. Irrespect, irrespective of what Wong Kar Wai was trying to get across. So 
So true. Yeah. So what are we covering today, man? Yeah, we're, we're covering My Blueberry Nights by Wong Kar Wai. So if you haven't seen that, please pause this episode and go watch it because we're going to we're going to have spoilers galore. For sure. We'll look at a bunch of things I'm excited about. Um, some of the music, the way they keep heavy moments light through music, as well as pieces of the cinematography, some of the lighting, use of reflections, um, shallow depth of field, and a lot of story and writing. The thesis and antithesis, stories of broken people, transportation as a metaphor, and other such stuff and things and stuff. So a quick synopsis of the film. A young, lonely woman takes a soul-searching journey across America to resolve her questions about love while encountering a series of offbeat characters along the way. It's directed by Wong Kar Wai, screenplay by Wong Kar Wai and Lawrence Block, cinematography by Darius Kanji, and uh, Poon Lung Kwan, featuring Nora Jones as Elizabeth, Jude Law as Jeremy, Natalie Portman as Leslie, Rachel Wise as Sue Lin, David Stridham, Stridehairn, sorry, David Stridehairn as Arnie and Frankie Faison as Travis. Guess I'm just looking for a reason. Well, from my observations, sometimes it's better off not knowing. It's like these pies and cakes. At the end of every night, the cheesecake and the apple pie are always completely gone. The peach cobbler and the chocolate mousse cake are nearly finished, but there's always a whole blueberry pie left untouched. So what's wrong with the blueberry pie? There's nothing wrong with the blueberry pie. It's just people make other choices. You can't blame the blueberry pie. It's just no one wants it. I want a piece. With ice cream. Leave it to me. I think that's my favorite, I don't know, little moment. It's not the dialogue per se. It's how we as humans anthropomorphize inanimate objects. <laughs> because she's looking at this pie and thinking, well, what about the pie? And the pie doesn't care. It doesn't think. It doesn't feel. It doesn't know that nobody wants it. Uh, but yet she projects her own feelings onto the pie, right? And like, oh, well, I want it because she identifies with the pie in that moment. And because she's right in the middle of getting dumped without any respect whatsoever uh, to her own feelings. And so, yeah, it's just this beautiful little her face kind of recognizing it and playing around with. Yeah, I love how humans do that. Right. The the, the idea that we create feelings and things that have no feelings uh, because that's us. I mean, we do it with even with living objects that clearly have no feelings like we still do that. Yeah. So with that. We got off our last episode and I was like, hey, I'm going to send over the, the the film for you to check out. And I tried to lower your expectations on this thing <laughs> by telling you this is a film that I don't know if many people love it, but, you know, maybe some people like it. A lot of people hate it, or at least that's my interpretation. I don't know if that's true. I've never heard people who love Wong Kar Wai discuss this movie like as far as i know it doesn't exist <laughs> to the long car y fans yeah and so i was trying to reset expectations and i'm curious how that went did that backfire or um yeah how did how did my blueberry nights land on your palate uh i i adored this movie i i love it uh, if that's the case and and 
people don't like it. I don't understand. I just don't understand people sometimes because this is so far. This is my favorite Wong Kar Wai film easily. It's like the American version of Chunking Express Yes, is the way that I I feel like, right. It was Mm -hmm. his way of, I'm going to try to break into America. Maybe, I don't know, but he just basically told that story about this. I have a love and adoration for Nora Jones, like more than most, I think. And I, I will say, um, well, before I say this, let me just, you know, address why, like, there's something to be said about having a, um, kind of a home base in a film, hmm. right. A home setting where even if you go somewhere else and you have a, a lot of stuff happen to a character somewhere else, doesn't matter how far away. And I'd love that they address how far away. And I'll talk about that in a second, but there's this home base that, whenever we're back there, even if, if that person isn't there, we feel like we're grounded as a viewer. Right. And that cafe was it, right. We established there, we stay there. We're there for, I don't know, 20 minutes or something. Like it's just the whole beginning of the film is just there. So I love that, that, that establishing thing. I love that we're, you know, there's a lot of shots where we're outside looking through the glass and it's messy and dirty. And then even when we're inside, there's a lot of close-ups, a lot of medium close-ups and and a lot of stuff that it just fills the frame and the color is outstanding the color is so saturated you know and the lighting is is very motivated and it it's it's absolutely gorgeous every single shot is just i i have no words honestly and then but but at the same time so we have this establishing kind of like home base so she, and I don't, ex, I, I expected the whole movie to be there mm. for it never to go anywhere else. And so she leaves and I'm thinking, oh, this is like a road trip movie. Oh, this is totally different than I expected. And then when we see, when she starts working at the bar and we see Arnie there, I, and it's an older man. So I always, I thought, okay, she's going to find some other guy, you know, and it's a relationship movie or whatever. But it's an older guy, and I'm thinking, well, she's not going to, you know, get with Arnie, right? Right. And it's just her relationship as a relationship with this other person. It doesn't matter if it's a guy or whatever and, and what he's going through. And, and I thought that was awesome. And then their next relationship is with, is with uh, uh, Natalie Portman's character, Leslie. And, well, I'm thinking, okay, well, she's not going to get in a relationship with her. I don't think it's that kind of story because she's obviously been in a relationship with a guy. So it, So, okay. So this is not her about her relationship with anyone else. It's her finding herself. Okay, okay. But I don't know that. And I have no idea where it's going to go. I don't know. Is she going to win the hand? You know, and is she going to honor her bet with with uh, uh, Elizabeth or whatever? So it was surprising every, at every turn. I never knew what was going to happen, right? I did kind of expect and hope that she would end up back at the cafe and they would get together because I'm... I mean, I don't know if anybody's had, for some reason, I think people have had problems with Jude Law or something in the past. I don't, I don't know I no idea. why, but yeah. no. Okay. I have no well, idea. I, mean, I love maybe, him, but yeah, he makes this movie for me. Like, I mean, Nora Jones makes the movie, let's be honest, but, but he's fantastic in this role because I just feel like he's a dude that just ended up in this spot and he's just making, he's just in his spot. He's just there and doesn't, I don't see any acting from him. 
You know, I see a little bit of acting with Nora Jones. Like mm. it, she's obviously yeah. she's new. It's not she's not an actress yeah. at, at, by heart at heart. So I do see a little bit of that, but I'm OK with it because it's Nora Jones yeah. and I just love seeing her yeah. and hearing her play, like hearing her music in the song in the, the film is unbelievable. The piano playing like her singing at some points like is breathtaking. It takes me back to. 2003 2004 you know when she was like at her her height you know so anyway absolutely amazing and beautiful and i i mean i could watch this movie 10 times in a row and not be tired of it i think that there is there are a few moments that there it's like a um i, I wouldn't i wouldn't call it a language barrier i would say cultural there are some cultural moments where you can tell oh you know, I don't think an American writer would write that, yeah. you know, yeah. or that that would typically ha- yeah, happen in America or something. And and which is why I thought of of Chunking Express, because I mm-hmm. think that a lot of times some things happen in Chunking Express where I'm like, that is absolutely <laughs> Korean that or it probably <laughs> or a Korean Kong. cultural thing because yeah. we wouldn't do that here. Yeah. And I feel like it, it, the same in this, but only a couple of things, yeah. only a couple of moments. And actually, they were endearing and. Why wouldn't they happen? You know, yeah, stuff happens all the time that you're just like, what? Hmm? Okay, so yeah, um, I'm not going to be one to say that 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 would never happen, but yeah, it's interesting watching, and it's it's I think it's incredibly brave to step into a whole other culture and attempt a story there. Like, I I wouldn't even feel comfortable going to England and telling a story about English culture. I would just get it wrong. Uh, now, unless it's about an American fish out of water story, and then it's, I could nail that, right? Yeah, right. Uh, because that's my my real experience. Uh, but I would be very nervous. I, in fact, I might be more comfortable going to Hong Kong, where Wong Kar Wai is from, and telling a story there because I would not expect that I know anything about their culture, and I would heavily rely on the people over there to help fill in those circles, but. I would still very much hesitate doing it. And so it, I think it's incredibly brave that he decided, you know what, I'm, I'm going to go to America and I'm going to tell the story that's all through the heart of America. Right. I mean, he tackles three very distinct cultures. New oh, is York, he Chinese? Uh, he's that's, uh, that's a touchy subject. Uh, he's Hong Kong and whether or not Hong Kong is a part of China oh. is a whole. Fucking that's right. Words. That's right. That's right. Okay. Sorry. I, I thought I, for, yeah. I said Korean earlier, but yeah. yeah. All oh, right. Good. It's good to know. Um, and so it, you know, New York and Memphis and then Vegas, Reno, you know, th- those are three very different kind of cultures in America. And we're so huge that, you know, we have far more cultures than that even, but uh, yeah, to, to step in and, and it's just interesting to watch some of his taste being reflected in English. I think there's a certain amount of stuff that I love in Asian cinema that I've always thought like, Oh man, if this was in English, I probably wouldn't like this moment, but because it's not, I buy it. I buy into it. So like there's these moments, uh, like with uh, Rachel Weiss's character, um, Sue Lin, where she's like screaming and yelling and it's very, you know, melodramatic. And I'm like, oh, this is interesting because I don't feel like, you know, uh, an American writer would probably go this direction um, in this kind of movie. Uh, and yet here we are, you know, watching her explode. And it's it's interesting. It's fun. I enjoy it. And, you know, I, I love kind of inhabiting this world. But I want to hear 
you were, you cut yourself off a second ago when you were talking about just your, uh, deep appreciation for Nora Jones. Oh, it, it was, oh, well, it was just a, um, it was just a really interesting, uh, time in my life. I was living in, in LA at the time and, you know, uh, that, that'll be for me, okay. but it was no, just, cool. it, was, it was just a really important time in my life where a lot of decisions had to be made. And, um, uh, I was, music was very comforting, you know, at the time, mm-hmm. sometimes music can be comforting. Sometimes it can be, um, uh, a burden. Sometimes it can be, uh, strengthening, you know? And I think at that point in my life, it was very comforting and, 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 and hopeful. And when her album came out, it was like, that was the center of it. It was like that feeling whenever come away with me would come on was this, everything is going to be okay kind of thing. And so when I see her on screen, you know, and I hear her singing at the same time, I just, I'm, it's like, I'm, I'm enveloped in like a, you know, a warm blanket, you know, it just, that's kind of why I want to watch it again. Cause I want to have that feeling <laughs> feeling again with her. But that's, I think the thing that I love about this movie that draws me to it first is it's a vibe, right? Yeah. I love movies that have grand ambitions that are about saving the universe or answering the, the life and death problems and solving the mystery of life itself and trying to put a finger on uh, the things that we struggle with on in every day. I like those movies so much but I love movies that don't have such grand ambitions. And this movie mm-hmm. has no such ambition, right? It's, it's, it's a vibe. You're sitting with these people living their experiences and just great music, great cinematography, really wonderful performances that are just human. Like I, I agree with you about Jude Law. Like he is the heartbeat of the film. Yeah. Yeah. Because you keep coming back to him. You know, he's, he is the, the, the cornerstone, you know, he will never leave that place. He is there. He even keeps the keys there, no matter what. He keeps the blueberry pie there, no matter what. He reserves a spot for her, no matter what. Like, he's not going anywhere. He is the anchor waiting for her. And it's just, that's such a beautiful, it's such a beautiful thing. I think that this film also works because Wong Kar Wai tried to tell a universal story. You know, it's not a story that ha- that's different in in China or Korea or South America or the United States. It's a story about a relationship between two people who are not ready to be. To, it's not their time yet to be together. Right. And a journey either away from each other or away and then back to each other or whatever, but it's a connection between the two. And that's the universal story that he's telling. And so you can tell that in any, you know, in any, uh, land, it's just the way that you tell it. Yes. And, and it, that's why probably Lawrence block was, part of this right with the screenplay to help out you know i would imagine Mm -hmm. so yeah yeah so it it was just yeah and and so i just love that you can sit in these moments and half the time they don't feel a need to say anything it's just they set it up well enough so that you know what a character's feeling and we're just watching them feel it yeah and play a tune right like let's yeah let's just hang out for a moment I love that so much. I don't think I realized until watching it this, you know, last night uh, for the dozenth time <laughs> that how much of an impact Wong Kar Wai's had on my own taste in filmmaking. Totally. I don't know how. <laughs> totally. I mean, I'm not even talking about, I'm not even talking about the, 
So just talking about the, the short film we just did, you know, the, the, what is it called? The way that you shoot with just a few frames per second, step, like a lower yeah. step rate, a step not frame. even that. Yeah. I mean, so that is, that's obviously, you know, his style, but like your cinematography, like the, the way that you look at framing, you know, is very Wong Kar Wai. You know, I, I, I was actually thinking like the short film popped into my head at a few moments, few scenes. I was like, oh, that's very much like how Wes shot this this shot in the in the the short film. It's really cool. It is. It is because I never would have said, oh, yeah, yeah I'm modeling myself after Wong Kar Wai. Mostly because I feel like there's a lot of ego that if you say something like that and yeah, no way. Right. But it just seeps in. It's like, man, the things that I gravitate to are the same things that he's gravitating to. And I'm not copying him, but he also pointed the direction. And so it's an interesting thing uh, to, to acknowledge that and whatever. I'm okay with that. As much as I love David Fincher movies, I have zero ambition to do anything the way he does it. Uh, I just, honestly, there's certain, there's some films that I'm like, I think it's an ugly looking film he shot it exactly the way he wanted to shoot it. And I just don't think it looks good. Um, I feel the artifice of the lighting and I feel, whereas this man, this is a heavily lit movie, but because of how he stages all the practicals, um, he can hide a lot of the, the, you know, the artifice through the motive motivated lighting, as you pointed out earlier, right? There's a lot of heavy, but some scenes aren't heavily motivated. Uh, I'm watching a scene right now. I have it playing and it's a scene where we just sit on the curb with Sue Lin as she's talking about her story with Arnie and it's heavily orange. It's the same exact orange lighting that we're sitting in at the bar, at the bar, not just inside the bar, but at the bar. Whereas, you know, the rest of the bar itself is uh, ambient red, but the bar itself is this, you know, soft orange. Um, and they carry that same soft orange outside walking down the street. And now they're, you know, motivating it as if it's the the halogen lights uh outside the the street lamps but it's not that obviously uh, those things are much harsher kind of green yellow uh and this is this beautiful soft orange and i yeah i i adore it and i don't know i just spun myself out but <laughs> i yeah and so i'll run through a few notes and these are all the things that i really probably didn't notice on all my other viewings, because again, to me, this movie is a vibe. And as I'm looking to make my first film, if I don't do the one that I wrote, the next one will be heavily influenced by this, um, by chunking express and my blueberry nights. Oh my God. Cause why not? I have to be a part of that. Then. <laughs> I have to, I have to be a part of that. You know what the approach I would love before I get into my notes, the approach that I would love to do is work backwards, start with the music and write mm -hmm. moments and i have i have kind of an outline already for it but before i even start writing those scenes to understand like oh because that's i feel like you know that's what Wong Kar Wai is doing he's finding a, a song right otis redding is going to be memphis oh, it's telling the story yes. of these two lovers in memphis and i'm going to punch you in the yes. fucking throat um yes and working back from that okay what does this make me feel what are the moments i want to experience while listening to this and that's a really fun interesting way and it's kind of the way i i learned a lot of my writing because if you think about the stuff that we've done together with your music i had to write to the music i couldn't you know ask the the music to 
to be scored to my writing. Um, and so there's yeah. a certain comfort level of writing to music um, that, that I do have. And so that would be a fun way to, to attempt approaching some of the the script, if not most of it. Oh my God. Can we please do that? To you? Yes. <laughs> yeah. I, that excites me because I'm look, I've never, I've never scored anything necessarily a little bit, but not, not too much, but the idea of just writing a feeling and then knowing like if you like it and you like the feeling okay then the visual is already gonna it's gonna come out yeah. right right but like trying to write something for something that was is already a visual for someone else that's so hard to do that's why like yeah like um hans you know hans zimmer is so he will forever be the goat i'm sorry like john williams is fantastic and i know he's hans zimmer's hero <laughs> and he's done iconic things and every you know everything from from jurassic park to star wars but when you talk about emotion and feeling and a, and knowing exactly what a director wants to hear in, in accordance to what they see there's nobody better than than hans yeah there's no one better and it's it's interesting because you have to be a writer as a musician and i don't just mean writing music but i mean you have to write the story with music that's yeah. really hard. You need a lot of practice at that. And I think you'll be incredible, but you can't just say, Oh, here's a good track. It's got to be, here's a good track that is telling the story on the screen in a different language. Right. I'm, yes. I'm subtitling this movie now with music. And that's a, that's a really difficult thing to wrap your head around because it also means you, you have to try things that the director isn't asking for. Like if the director says, man, I, I really see this being a, an up-tempo you know, moment here and you're watching this film and you're like, this is an up-tempo moment on screen, but I think there's an emotional undercurrent that's actually slow. Uh, and we can see some of these kind of moments happening in this film, right? There's a great use of music to contradict what you're experiencing on screen. There's these heavy, heavy moments where they're like, we're going to keep it light. I know it's a heavy moment. And instead of playing Otis Redding now, we're going to play something else. We're going to play Nora Jones um, or we're going to play some bluesy, something else that's very, very bluesy, but kind of this up-tempo bluesy. And so I'm thinking of moments like where Sue Lynn is walking out and Arnie pulls a gun. This is a life and death moment and the world stops. Uh, she stops, you know, Travis stops and creeps up behind him in debating like, do I jump this guy? But and here's where the the writing really takes over is because he he has to decide if what he's going to do. That's a law enforcement officer. So you can't just call the cops on this guy. You know, that's probably not going to work out long term in your favor. What can you do? Uh, so he's he's trapped. Right. He can't really do the right thing um, because of the the stakes in the, in the in the scene. And he also wants to trust his friend. He wants to trust that Arnie isn't going to do the, the worst thing, because if you preempt him. You've kind of admitted, I don't believe in your humanity. I don't believe in your uh, ability to, to be good anymore. And now you've wrecked yourself and your relationship with him. But you might have damaged Arnie in the process by not giving him a moment to show his self-restraint. Um, and so there's a lot of stuff happening underneath. And the music there communicates to you that she's safe. It's fine. Because it, it's this very light. We're kind of bobbing along. And it's 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 amazing. Similar but different is Arnie's death because now uh, we're we're panning over you know cops um, this car wreck and we eventually see Arnie himself dead behind the wheel as everyone's kind of you know marking out the scene 
and that we still have this very light little bluesy guitar bop just kind of bopping us along. Um, and it's trying to keep you from being pulled down by the weight of these characters' lives. And as another human being, that's that's what you got to do sometimes is distance yourself from the, the, the drama and the traumatic, you know, experience that you're living through in order to just keep moving sometimes. And I don't think this is that kind of movie that wants you to imbibe the, the trauma. It wants you to witness the trauma, other people's trauma without yourself being weighted down by it. And it's just a great use of music to kind of create that dissonance to, to give you a buffer an emotional buffer from getting sucked in uh, just genius. Um, and you can see that in his other film that we covered chunking express where people are going through really depressed moments, but they never pull you into their depression. He keeps a, a lightheartedness about it. And that's, I think very uniquely Wong Kar Wai. As far as music goes, I think there's a great use, you know, to emotionally state what the mood is without words, right? We were talking a minute ago about how we just kind of sit and vibe. It's amazing. It's through the music. It's through the views, visuals, of course, through, you know, these very shallow shots and staging things, the, the step printing that he's doing, which is just judiciously used throughout the film and, and still not enough. Right? Like I could still use yeah. more. It's just so good. Why but, is that? Why? It, you know, I was I was really thinking about that last night, and I think for me, it's it's the it's it's almost an inversion. If you think about slow motion itself, right, where you overcrank, so if we're playing back at twenty four frames a, a second, and you capture a moment at you know a hundred frames a second, now you're you're playing it back, and you and when you play it back and stretch it out to conform to twenty four frames, what you're doing is you're stretching out a single moment. So that one second moment now can last 10 seconds and you're frozen in this moment. And uh, it can do a lot of interesting, beautiful things where maybe a, a action scene suddenly has more punch, right? As you see the, the punch being landed or the, or the bullet coming out of the barrel or whatever, and you can elongate a moment. Undercranking this thing where he might be doing like six frames per second and then he double, triple, and if it's six frames, then you're quadruple printing each frame so that you stretch out that moment long enough to be 24 frames per second. Uh, and so what it does, though, I think is it feels like you're trying to get out of a moment. And it's just this emotional uh, weight that comes along with this undercranking, this step printing process where everything's kind of blurry. And it feels like a character can't escape they're trying to um they're trying to escape a moment but they can't they're trying to slow a moment down and they can't everything just kind of keeps moving so there's this you know visual emotional quality uh and to me on screen just the way it looks uh to me it's you know to be a little corny i guess it's like if you could make a camera cry like these are the tears and it just feels different um and the way everything blurs but it it's blurring in a way without actually slowing down any of the action because everything is still happening exactly at the normal speed. But that choppiness, that extra motion blur kind of creates this emotional uh, quality that makes you feel weighted down by what's happening without the ability to actually stretch it out, without the ability to actually stop and take your breath. Um, yeah. And it's like, I don't know. That's the way I think about it. It's just all of those things kind of wound up together. I'd I love that. Man, make a camera cry. That's a 
beautiful way to put it. Yeah. And, and, and to try to get out of a moment, I, I think that you're right. Like the, one of the first times you see it is when they show, uh, when Jude Law's character, who who was a Jeremy shows Elizabeth, the, the footage of her boyfriend with the other woman and she's crying and then, and the camera is outside and it's just panning back and forth. And, and then even when it cuts to Jude Law outside smoking, it's still stop motion. So not just for, for her, but for him, cause he's in pain for her, for her. And then the next, and then she's asleep in the next scene. I'm watching it right now. So it's reminding me she's asleep <laughs> in the next scene. And so we're normal, you know, 24 frames again. So anyway, yeah, I think, I think you're, you're spot on, man. It's so beautiful. The other use of music or audio itself, I thought was interesting was the kiss. The first time he goes in for the kiss, they go completely MOS, um, which depending on who you, you listen to, the legend is it, it's a German guy who, who can't pronounce his W's right. And it, mm-hmm. it's mid out sound, mid out sound or minus optical sound as uh, the other MOS. Uh, so eh, if you're, if you're a romantic, you like the the first version. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but the scene, there's no music. Um, it's just silence. I mean, there's, there's not even ambient noise, right? Um, you're just kind of watching her and they, they move into step printing, you know, under cranking. And this moment is really interesting because uh, the way they sit on it and the way they sit on her, you know, it makes you wonder what kind of moment are we experiencing right now? Is this a romantic moment? Is this a creepy moment? And you have to wait. <laughs> you have to wait for the answer. Yeah. Uh, and you're holding your breath. And she slightly smiles, you know, at the end of that first time. And so we understand she's awake and obviously happy about it. Of course, you get to the end of the film and she starts toying with him. But we're not sure. Is she toying? We think she is. We remember pretty clearly. But now our memory starts to feel a little more fuzzy than it was at the time. And we're trying to understand where she's coming from. It's a, it's a beautiful way to stage the moment because in that second time uh, they, they start silent. And then whenever, you know, she engages them, they kick this music in we start cutting to uh, the blueberry a la mode. uh, And it's just suddenly becomes an engulfing moment. It's no longer, we're holding our breath. We're now letting it out. And it's a sigh of relief. It's like, yes, this is right. Mm-hmm. Love it. Cinematography wise, a few things here. We already talked about the the undercranking. Tons of vibrant, moody lighting. Uh, lots of neo sign, neon signs. I love that New York has a lot of cool blues and purples. We stay, like you said, home base, mostly in our cafe. And it just has a pretty special, distinct feeling. And then I think as we explore the, the rest of the world, we come back to it eventually, but first we stop in Memphis, which is very red, right? We're in that dive bar, the orange bar light with red ambience um, and the way to keep it going outside. And Memphis itself kind of has this noir texture to it all, right? The way they drape Rachel Weiss's hair a little over her face. There's kind of these stolen glances around Arnie kind of watching her and she herself, Sue Lynn, is this femme fatale who's destroying Arnie, or at least that's one uh, approach to that story. There's the other approach where he's kind of a stalker and uh, he's, you know, uh, a bit of a scumbag who can't get his drinking under control or let her be, let her exist. Um, it's, it's tangled, right? Uh, th- these are relationships. Relationships are not easy. Um, and there's a lot of ways to view them for him. 
his wife left him for her. She can't get out of this relationship. She started as, you know, a, a teenager. Um, and so there's a lot of ways to digest that. And it's, it's all really interesting. And when we move into Reno, it's all night scenes. And I feel like the truth is being concealed as opposed to Vegas, which is all day scenes, which is when they're revealing all the truth. And that speaks to sunlight is the best disinfectant or everything's out in the open, right? With, with daylight, because Reno is a big mix, right? A lot of orange. And this is when they start to bring back the, the light purples and um, start edging into blue. I don't know how far we get into blue. They, they, they stay pretty tweener between purple and blue, which are, you know, obviously in the, in the same hue arena uh but they they go a lot heavier on the purple here yeah cinematography wise also a lot of shallow depth of field i feel like they're doing a lot of isolation right we're creating an intimate universe with these characters um allowing them to kind of exist in their own bubbles uh and so whenever we're watching jeremy and elizabeth in their cafe it's just them no one else is there even when someone else is there no one else is there like there's that moment towards the end when we've been sitting them with them for a while and then a guy leaves. <laughs> like we never knew there was another person there. Um, and that's when she yeah. has that kind of flashback moment of remembering the moment she chose to to not go in and instead go on this journey, which we will certainly come back to. But that shallow depth of field, I think, is also why we use so much ADR throughout the film, because they're filming in a lot of public spaces, which creates a lot of ambient noise. Right. It's tricky. Because you can't you can't escape ambient noise when you're filming in these highly public places, New York. Uh, you can now New York. You can probably find a, a small street somewhere that you can block out, and now you can control your audio a little bit more. But even within that, there's still planes. There's still things that you you can't always control. Who knows? But you know, it also makes editing tricky because if you're if you are if you're in Vegas or you're in Reno, definitely not controlling those streets. Um, but Editing can be tricky because what if in one close up, you know, you have a plane going overhead and you're halfway through the take and that's the take. That's the one. We got to have that take for whatever reason, maybe technical reasons or maybe just performance. It's like, man, Natalie Portman was never as good again as she was in that take. I just need it. Uh, but the reverse on Nora Jones is suddenly like perfect. It's pristine. How do you intercut those, right? You don't want to add a plane into the scene. Uh, so guess what? Everyone needs to ADR now because we need it all to match. It, it's tough. And I think especially for this kind of film, because Wong Kar Wai clearly wants to kill all external noise in order to isolate our characters in their own world, which is reflected again in the shallow depth of field. Um, and so in order to kill every single ounce of ambient noise, you do have to do ADR. I'm probably the type that would rather live with the noise, but I agree with his decision at the same time, because I do want to sit in this universe with uh, Jeremy and his ex lover having this intimate conversation. And it just needs to be them. It can't be the street. It can't be the smoke in the background. It just really needs to be them revisiting the relationship in code, right? It's all coded. <laughs> yeah. I'm really glad you brought, you brought that up because I, I love the sound in this it's film. beautiful, right? I, it's strikingly it's so beautiful. beautiful. Like conversations are just right there. They're right there. And you can hear, you can hear the pops and the, of their lips smacking together from saying P's and T's and, and, and it's just, it's like bubble gum for your ears. It's so good. It, it's so sweet. And, um, and a lot of times 
filmmakers to try to do that. And it it's very hard to do. It's not so, yes, because of all the external things that you have to deal with, but also just like the quality of the instruments that you're using and where you place them all has a, it's, it's not always so easy just to put a boom over you, right? Cause maybe sometimes you're supposed to turn your head and then all of a sudden the sound is different or you turn it over. So you need, you need to follow them, put it in the right place, or maybe the boom is casting a shadow from a, a, a light that you have somewhere or something. And so maybe you have to come under them, but then you'd have to come under the same other, per, like the person they're talking to. So there's a lot of stuff that goes into it to get that kind of pristine stuff. And the, you know, if you watch any other, this to me is better sound than like Top Gun. Mm-hmm. Top Gun is very practical where you you hear it and that's how it's supposed to sound. Right. Like if I was standing next to Tom Cruise or whomever, it would sound like that. It sounds perfect. But this is closer than perfect, you know, yeah. which could seem jarring. It's easy for that to seem jarring because you don't really hear something that close whenever you're talking to someone. You know, if I'm talking to them into the mic, this is not how my normal voice voice sounds. When, but I, if I back up now, it sounds more normal. So in order to get something that pristine, you have to do it in such a way that's not just it sounds great, but that's motivated in the mix. Right. So mm-hmm. the post mixing of this is like incredible because you can't just also block out everything else. Right. You have to there has to be some kind of motivation for that. There has to be some kind of ambiance in the mix. But as to where that level rides, that's the art of it, right? It is. It's it's so beautiful. It really is. And it just creates that level of intimacy that we want to feel. You want to feel that those conversations, uh, especially the one outside the cafe with Jeremy and his ex, uh, her voice is butter. It's just so good. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And he's great because he's trying not to get pulled back into this relationship, whatever it is. And he doesn't know what she wants, but I love that she's kind of feeling it out as well. She's, I don't think she wants to get back with him, but she also wants to know if she could. Um, yeah. And it's just this beautiful little dance and he closes the door cause he has a great, what does he, what does he say? That, that line of, even if, you know, the door does open, it may not be the same person waiting on the other side. Um, yes. And she just smiles. She's like, I got to get going. I have a flight to catch. It's so good. Yeah. yeah. Amazing. <laughs> Which, oh yeah. Um, try to not forget the airplane, but uh, cinematography last note is on the reflections, which will carry us into the story and writing the reflection at the beginning of Elizabeth. There's not a ton of reflections in here. Um, as far as super intentional, uh, there is one that is super intentional. It's just right there on its face. It's where they're having a conversation about this. Why didn't you go looking for her? When I was little, me, uh, mum used to take me to the park on the weekends she said if ever I got lost, I had to stay in one place so she'd find me. Does that work? Not really. She got lost once looking for me. It's great. It's the first moment. I love that question, does that work? Uh, not really, no. <laughs> He's like, she got lost. <laughs> uh, just looking for me. And it's so good because this is the first moment when she's starting to realize that she's stuck, that she's lost. And she's been staying in place and it's not working. 
And of course, the reflection uh, is her taking an honest look at herself, reevaluating. For her, that's a mirror. Reflections can do a lot of things. It can be sometimes revealing another side to a character, right? Someone who's been lying, lying to us, and now they're going to reveal who they truly are, um, or just hinting at uh, a lie that's being told that you're two-faced, two-sided, uh, etc. Um, and for her in this scene, it's a reflection. It's her kind of taking stock of her life. Uh, and I love it because the very next scene, she walks back into the cafe. And what does he do? He already has her set up the usual, same, same as usual. And there's this long beat as she's realizing, oh my God, I have a usual, I'm predictable, I'm in a routine. And what? And she says, no thanks. Can I get my key back? And now she's starting to try to figure out what is it I need to do? Yes. And so let's look at some of the story and writing. The first thing, this is just off, off, right off the bat, kind of a throwaway thing that I think is still there, which is why blueberry pie? And it's not just blueberry pie, though. If you look at the, the opening and the closing, uh, it's blueberry pie a la mode, right? With ice cream. We're watching these beautiful gorgeous shots of just <laughs> ice cream running down blueberry pie like it's just painfully beautiful and it's interesting though because it's sweet for sure but it's also hot and cold and it's soft and crunchy right it's all these mixtures uh all these uh some might say contradictions um or just juxtapositions right it's it's multiple things coming together in harmony creating something better than any of it on its own. Uh, and so I, I think that's with a purpose um, and take that out how, how you will. But overall, this is a story that's dealing with stories of broken people, breaking people they love and realizing it too late. Right. If you look at Arnie dealing with Sue Lynn, leaving him, right. There's this great moment early on in that story or maybe halfway through that story where he catches Arnie catches Elizabeth writing a letter to Jeremy and he's like, what are you doing? Why, why not pick up the phone? She's like, some things are better on paper. Oh, you think so? And then we immediately cut to him writing a letter. What a great use of an edit uh, to insert an emotional idea, right? Because it's hope. We know what he's trying to do now and he doesn't have to say a thing. And it's just an immediate understanding of his goals and his desires, which is of course to get his wife back. It's really great writing. Um, Sue Lynn as we find out at the end of their, their story, she feels stuck in that godforsaken town and she regrets staying, right? That's kind of what she's getting at. And she wishes Arnie had let go of her. And what does she say? And now that he has, it hurts me more than anything else. Um, it's a contradiction. It's her own struggle internally. And of course, ultimately she decides to leave and finally get out of that town. And then we look at Leslie, Right. Leslie's uh, played by Natalie Portman. She's a gambler. Right. Uh, who takes after her dad, even though she despises her dad, you know, is bitter towards uh, the way his lifestyle impacted her. But she's run away from him. And by the way, I just love that she sleeps with the sleeping mask on because that's she's a gambler. That's part of her life that's adapted to her career. And it's just a really good touch to for her to be having that and Elizabeth not to, right? This is one of their lifestyles and not the other. And it's just a very, very simple uh, prop that kind of underscores uh, the character. But ultimately, Leslie has rejected her dad, runs away until it's too late, right? 
he's dead now. And so now we have two people, Sulin and Leslie, who have done completely different things to kind of the same problem of dealing with a relationship. One person stayed still, the other person kept on the move. Neither of them really got the result that they were wanting. And that's kind of the the thesis that's being put forth by Jeremy is, you know, his mom gave him advice. You got to sit still in order to let me find you if you ever get lost. Uh, and he's like, it doesn't work. Well, we can see neither of those things really work, right? Uh, it didn't work for Sue Lynn. It didn't work for Leslie. Uh, and and that's what uh, Elizabeth is is soaking in, right? Elizabeth is having her heart broken. This is her story. Um, and she's being dumped, right? Ghosted, even worse, uh, by her boyfriend. <laughs> and she goes on a journey reinventing herself, right? Discovering herself, as you said earlier. And it's literally, you know, changing her name even, right? She goes from Elizabeth to Betty to Lizzie to Beth, right? She's trying to figure out who am I? Um, who am I really? Uh, and she tries on other lives, right? Other perspectives. And in doing so, she learns to love who she is, Right. No one ever, I don't think anyone ever calls her naive, uh, but that's kind of the way she comes off in the film as this uh, really naive person. And I think she learns to love uh, her naivete. And maybe that's kind of what the film is looking at is saying, maybe it's underrated. Maybe it's not a flaw. Maybe it's a virtue. Hmm. Because she has this trusting nature. And what is she telling you, Leslie? <laughs> you need to learn to trust people more. It's not that I need to stop trusting people. I'm trying to remember what she says at the parking lot, but it's something along the lines of, uh, uh, you're hopeless. Ah, you're hopeless too. Mm. So good. So good. We go to Memphis and there's little physical things that I think they're doing that underscore this, which in Memphis, uh, Betty slash Lizzie has a ponytail, which reveals her face, right? It's these innocent features uh, and her expressions are on full display. She's not hiding anything much like Arnie. This is kind of what Arnie's teaching her is just kind of lay it all out there. Be public, be open about what you're dealing with. His, Drinking habits and his heartbreak is literally on full display with his tab hung up in the bar. And so I think they're kind of expressing that visually through her hairstyle. Uh, as opposed to you get to Reno and Vegas, right? Leslie uh, wears glasses, the sleeping mask. And so Elizabeth starts to don that too, right? She puts on a cowboy hat and these glasses uh, because they're hiding. They're, they're distrusting, right? Elizabeth is trying to adapt to Leslie's worldview, and she realizes, eh, I don't like that. <laughs> mm -hmm. There's a, whatever, the, the, the VO that she says on the way home. She's like, all these people you run into are reflections of who you are. And the more I see it, hmm, the more I like myself. It's really interesting. Yeah. As opposed to Jeremy. Jeremy is interesting because he himself has recovered from his own heartbreak. We later find out. We don't know where he's at until his ex shows up. Tempts him. Gives him that that crack in the window and he has to decide who am I? I tell you who I am. I'm someone who's looking for Elizabeth, not you. Um, and that's what he's been doing this whole time, right? All his efforts to find her fail. <laughs> he calls everyone. He writes everyone, but he's never going to find her because she doesn't want to be found yet. And it's so good because ultimately his mom's advice worked. He stayed still yeah. and she found him. Yeah. It's so good. Uh, mm -hmm. I definitely never picked up on any of that stuff. You know, my, my dozen times watching this thing, uh, but it's oh, all really, you just picked that up now. Yeah. This time. Yeah. Wow. It's just right there. I was literally just going along for the ride and it's just right there on its face. 
um, because it's all reinforced through the, the the transportation throughout the film. We have all these shots of trains and right. Elizabeth was mugged on the subway. Right. And if you think about mm. what trains are, trains are on tracks, they're predetermined paths. They are routine. Um, and that's Jeremy. And at the beginning, that's her and getting mugged. Uh, and I love that little scene of him in a nosebleed and she walks in and she has a nosebleed. And you're nosebleed. like, wait, what's going on? Uh, it's, it's- and how is it that, that, that in the, in the shot after that, where they both have, have things in their nose, <laughs> yeah. stopping up like uh, tissues in their nose, stopping up their nose, that they're even more beautiful. Yeah. Both of them yeah. are even more beautiful <laughs> with the, with that in there. Usually I look like, I look like an idiot, you know, <laughs> but they're just like beautiful faces on the, on the screen. They are insanely beautiful people. And it's so good, right? And so what does she do? She takes a bus across America to discover herself. And she's starting to break free from a predetermined path, right? Uh, in fact, she's saving to get her own car, a car representing her ability to determine her own path. And it's only when she achieves that that she returned to New York, to the cafe, and to Jeremy. Because now this is a path that she's choosing. It's not one that was just laid before her. Yeah, and I love the way she she summarizes it. You know, I came here the night I left, but I didn't make it past the front door. I almost walked in, but I knew that if I did, I would just be the same old Elizabeth. I didn't want to be that person anymore. So good. It's one thing to choose who you want to be it's another thing to feel like you don't have a choice mm-hmm. she now has a choice and yeah exploring and meeting weird kooky slightly you know offbeat characters was able to reveal that to herself and i love this journey i love that it's small ambitions it's crossing the street that's the entire story yeah <laughs> yeah it's 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 letting and and jeremy you know, the whole adage of if you love something, let it go. Hmm. He had, I mean, yes, he, he kissed her when she passed out. Right. But he, he never pressured her for anything. He never asked her out on a date. He never, you know, like he was just there. Yeah. And, you know, the, the, the scene I talked about earlier where they do the, the, um, step printing, uh, where he shows her the, the video, right. He, she, after like later on, she's inside, like really upset. The shows her the video. He puts his arm around her, but then she's upset at the bar and he's just outside smoking, letting her be upset. He's not saying it's, he's not saying like, like I'm here for you, whatever you need, but he's just letting her be upset. Just like be there. And then while she's gone, he's just there. Yes. I mean, he's looking for her, but he's not leaving. You know, he's like you said, he's, he's staying one place. Like his mom said. That's so true. And it also speaks to her seeing and acknowledging that he's on a different level right now. Yeah. If I get into a relationship with this guy, we are imbalanced because he has life experience. He knows who he is and he would just be quietly either coaching me or hoping for me to rise to his level, uh, which I think is the more likely because to your point, he only answers her questions. He never tells her what to do or what to be or how to think. He only responds to uh, her inquiries. Um, and that's to his credit, of course. And so she recognized, I, I think, that she needed to grow in order to actually have a shot at, you know, having a good relationship and uh, mm-hmm. having actual happiness. 
yeah, it's it's a very simple story, and I wish more films would have fewer ambitions and just yeah. you know be in love with having small moments and having uh, small goals that allow you to exist in a world. And this is a world. This is a universe that you know Wong Kar Wai built, and it's just uh, I melt. I just well, melt. it's a, it's a lot easier to just have explosions. It is. Let's be honest. It's a lot easier to write dialogue around explosions than it is to write dialogue around emotions. So, yeah. and even this, even the scene, you know, first Rachel Weiss is, um, God, she's good, but like the, the scene where they, she gives her, uh, Elizabeth gives her Barney's bill and she yells at Travis and she like screams at Travis. Like, you know, that's, that's one of the, it's interesting because like, I think you said it perfectly earlier. That's one of those moments where I thought, you know, that's probably more of a cultural thing mm-hmm. to show, at least on a film. Yeah. In a film. Like, I don't think an American writer would write that to that extent. Yeah. But in this film, he just like let it's just an I think it would happen in America. Yes, absolutely. For sure. But to put it, write it and put it in a film, maybe not, you know, or at least to that extent. But they just let it happen. He lets it happen. It's these little moments that that I think would do happen, but are not given a platform in a, in a movie. Right. And then right, man, right after that, her, her monologue sitting with Elizabeth talking about Arnie. So it really, it was so important for her character, I think, because up until that moment, you just don't like her. You don't, you know, you, you think that she's terrible and that how could you do that to Arnie or whatever, but then you realize, Oh, you know, she has a backstory and that backstory is very difficult and troubled. And she's had a hard life too. And, and made this, you know, decisions that she regrets and stuff. And, yeah, but she, but she loved him in her own way. Uh, and it, I think that was so important and they never cut away. It's a wonder. It's so good. Yeah. I remember watching that moment. I'm like, please don't cut away. This is so perfect. <laughs> this is so perfect. And Nora, Nora Jones does a perfect job acting with her. You know, just being there, I really felt like she was there and she was supportive without saying a single word. And then she puts her arm around her and that could have ruined it, right? Like a, a, the way that she that she did that was very important. She didn't pull her into her. She, you know, she she slid over and went to uh, Su Lin and was just there, went to her to be there with her. And it I don't know. I don't know if that was directing or if that was just her, but it was beautiful. It was beautiful. And I think casting Nora Jones in this is really inspired casting. You know, that's 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 a trigger. I don't think any other director, you know, calls on Uh, It's just it. You need someone that can be a bit of a canvas for the rest of the film, for all these characters to live. And it, it it's her character of I don't know who I am just yet. I'm, I'm figuring it out. And so in a lot of these scenes, she's just kind of existing and observing and watching people. And I think a lot of other actors that are seasoned would have come in and done too much. They would have overdid it, overplayed their hand. And instead of just being, you just need to be there and let Rachel Weiss own the scene. That's her scene. Um, don't try to rise to her, you know, support her. 
and just be there. Uh, just let David Strahan, he's going to conquer any scene he's on. He's just an incredible actor. Uh, and every time I see him in a film, I get really excited uh, because I know he's going to deliver something, um, specifically him. And you just let him do his thing. You let Frankie Faison do his thing. You don't need to do anything. And she just does a really great job of soaking up the scene and and being present uh, and reacting when it's time to react and just letting things happen. There's times when I could feel another actor would have reacted and where she just kind of nods and goes to her next line or the, the scene partner where maybe David Strahan is actually trying to get a reaction out of her. And she's like, Nope. Like there's moments in the diner when she uh, sees Arnie for the first time, you know, since uh, he quit drinking, you know, uh, before she realizes that's just a, a line. It's an idea. It's a hope. And she sees him in the cafe and, you know, he's like uh, making some, I don't remember what he says. It, I feel like it's this, self-inflicting comment she doesn't react she's like what'll it be <laughs> and it's really tempting to uh for an actor to always be reacting to everything but sometimes uh sometimes you're a waitress and waitresses are there to do their job not to judge uh their customers and that's more real than an actor you know being in the moment and trying to engage with with another character because People do their job sometimes, and that's their only goal is to do their job. Uh, and I just thought she did a really, you know, wonderful uh, job in this film. Just, you know, taking on each part, each role. Uh, and some of the writing, I think, is very not American. Um, at certain points, I'm just like, oh, that's, you know, that's not a very uh, uh, American line, or at least not, you know, post-1990. Uh, but it's fun. It's still, you know, it's creating a, its own unique universe that I just want to sit and imbibe. You know, I love, yeah. Wonderful stuff. I am smitten for sure. Um, final thoughts. Uh, final thoughts. Oh my gosh. How do I give final thoughts to <laughs> this movie? Um, I'm tickled pink, man. I wasn't, I really wasn't sure. Uh, because I've, I don't know if I've talked to many people about this film, um, it's not, I've never heard of it before. <laughs> I wouldn't, most people haven't. The people that know about it are like, you know, the, uh, pinky up tea sippers and <laughs> it oh, just doesn't okay. go over well, I think for the most part. And I'm, I like a little schmaltzy stuff, uh, here and there if, if done appropriately. And to me, this rides the line superbly. Um, so I, I wasn't sure how it would sit, you know, for you. And so I'm just, I love that you, you really liked it. Well, yeah. Um, I would say. If I would have seen this movie 15 years ago, it would have completely wrecked me. Like I, I probably wouldn't have been able to function honestly after watching this. Now I'm a little bit better off <laughs> for <laughs> yeah. obvious reasons, but I mean, I, I don't know how to say it, but I, I don't, okay. I wouldn't call it a perfect movie, but it's damn close wow. for me. It's, it's damn close. Uh, you know, Wong Kar Wai is, is hard to, um, there are certain things that are hard to digest in his filmmaking when, you know, uh, uh, when it's, it's you know, based in a foreign land, right? And it's harder for me to, me personally, to identify with that and maybe for, a, for several people, right? But when you take his style and you put it in a place where I can understand everything, 
right? And I don't care if it's if it's subtitled or not. I don't. That's not what I'm talking about. I mean, like the situations and the and the settings and stuff. And I just kind of like it's familiar. It's a little bit more familiar. Hmm. All of a sudden, I feel like he's one of my favorite filmmakers ever. Like this this movie is is hard to put into words how much I absolutely adore it. I mean, I can, you know, I have, and I, and I love that we do this podcast because I feel like every now and then I say, oh, that's in my top 10 or, oh, that's in my top 10 or whatever. This is absolutely in my top 10. Wow. And, and I, I mean, it's hard to say, you know, I don't have like a, a running list that I have yeah, written yeah. down, which I should probably do that. That would be interesting that if I sat down and said, oh, yeah. what are my favorite top 10s? And I, I, sh- I should do that. This is, at least at this moment, definitely in there. And I think partially because of the rewatchability of it, which is insane because it's slow. It's so slow. And, 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 but the runtime is perfect. An hour and a half. You know, it doesn't try to be any longer than it needs to be. It doesn't cut out anything that it should, that it, you know, shouldn't have cut out. Um, you have these little moments of VO that drive it forward. These little moments of cutaway of oh, this many miles since New York. And to tell you that she's traveling, she's moving again. It just, I, I adore this movie. I, I'm so, I, <laughs> I know I watched it like super late at night. I think it was on like a, I don't know, like a Wednesday night or something like that. Just by myself here in my room. And, and it was just wonderful. I, I can't wait to watch it again. It's amazing. Amazing. That's the coolest thing. This, yeah, this might be my favorite episode. <laughs> I think so too. I think so too, man. Like, because I, I was just, you introduced me to something that I, not only had I, had I never seen before, but I'd never even heard of before from a filmmaker that's one of your favorites. And that, that for me has been kind of hit or miss a little bit, you know, yeah. like Chunking Express, I know is like this, you know, seminal film, you know, but there were parts of it where like, I, I just, it's hard for me to get into, right? Oh, I need to watch this multiple times to really like get it, you know? Um, but this one, and, oh, so at the beginning, the first maybe 10 minutes of the film, I was like, I'm not going to like this. I know I'm not going <laughs> to like it. That's the, that's the greatness of how good this movie is, was that yeah. I didn't know what to think of it for the first several minutes. And I thought, oh, I'm not going to like it. And then by 30 minutes in, I was like, I think I like this. By an hour in, I was like, I really like this. And by the time it was over, I absolutely adored it uh, to the point where I was like almost in tears, just not because of an emotion that it invoked, but just because of how much I liked it. You know, it just completely changed my mind. You know, it's so good. So good. Oh my God. I love that. I love, yeah, just the, the simplicity of it. And, uh, Small goals, man. Small goals really do a wonder when you're not trying to do too much. Instead, you know what you're making and you stick to it. And you're just like, you know what? We're going to explore five characters, right? Elizabeth, Jeremy, Arnie, Sue Lynn, and Leslie. And through these five characters, we're going to learn a lot about life, but we're not going to punch you in the face with it either. You just, you'll pick it up or you won't. But along the way, uh, we're going to make you feel, yeah, comfortable and take what you take and, you know, enjoy the ride or not. I, yeah, I just adore anything that finds its voice in a way that kind of like garden state, you know, it's just, this to me is a good analog uh, to garden state of the ability to just sit and, and vibe without trying to accomplish too much. We're going to, we're going to hang out with some characters. Um, they will be interesting. They'll have points of view 
and whatever enjoy it or don't uh yeah i love it um are you still there okay sorry i uh, am i am i'm just i was reading yeah. the quote of the day and i was about to break down to tears so. <laughs> um sorry. nice so what are you going to recommend this week uh yeah so this week with uh with my wife i sat down and we started watching chef's table there's like a, a pizza there's a, a, a there's a pizza season where they talk about pizza the whole time and you know i've watched some chef tables stuff and i think it's like really good but for some reason i really noticed the cinematography in this season this this the pizza season and it's it's as someone who travels to places and films and and you have to like think on the spot and stuff it it's so amazing how they get what they get and how they plan to get what they get shot wise. The cinematography is absolutely um, inspiring, you know, to, if I, if I'm clear and I'm not a cinematographer, I, I don't, I vaguely know my way around a camera, but I do know production and it's so incredible. I, I just watch it for that. Like, I don't care what it's about. It doesn't have to, pizza, whatever. It doesn't matter. But the, the, whoever the, the crew is on chef's table for this season for the pizza season is absolutely top of the game. Unbelievable. It's so beautiful. The coloring is amazing that where they choose to do slow motion is incredible. Uh, the setups, how they go from one, one location to another. It's, it, you know, somewhat typical, but the angles they choose are incredible. It's the lighting is amazing. And to be able to, a lot of times they'll do things like they'll shoot into a window so you're inside the restaurant, you have these floor to ceiling windows outside, and they're not afraid to shoot at the window to capture somebody. And you get all the detail of the person and still can see outside. And I'm just thinking, how the hell do you do that? <laughs> like, that's, that's unbelievable. And it's, it's, it's in a restaurant where there's a bunch of people. So it's not like they have kinos everywhere, right. you know, just set up like it's a running restaurant at the time. So I don't know how they do it, but it's, pretty inspiring uh in that regard so yeah so i'm gonna recommend chef stable the uh, the pizza season nice i'll check <laughs> that out i love pizza um i've been making my own pizzas uh for the past couple oh. years and starting you know my own dough from scratch which is uh really fun um i actually right now have a batch that i started last night that i'm excited oh. to uh to get to today Very... well like i said it doesn't even matter what it is that it's pizza but because it's pizza maybe you enjoy it the first and the third episode are really really solid nice I i'm i'm on it gotta go uh nice i all right <laughs> i'm gonna recommend if you want some more jude law and natalie portman in your life except in the polar opposite vibe uh i'm gonna recommend the little film to destroy you called closer uh if you've never seen closer uh this is emotional havoc uh yeah and it, it's it's an older film i don't know maybe like 2004 2005 it's a uh, it's brutal it's about four people also has julia roberts and clive owen and they all give incredible performances um yeah it's it's great film if you've never seen it um which i would say probably half our audience probably has but maybe some of the younger listeners have not then uh yeah grab a bottle of wine and 
uh, drink of because that's that's going to leave you feeling some kind of way. Um, okay. Also, I'll go watch has, that. That's cool. Uh, Damien Rice as well. Um, songs. Oh, wait, he's in it? No, just uh, his music. Uh, oh, uh, okay. so All that right. should set the tone in your head for what you're dealing with <laughs> oh man maybe i, maybe I yeah, can't man. watch that <laughs> that, that Ex- dude exactly uh we're gonna have a couple spotlights for the next uh, few weeks this week's um uh, is a little strange because it's an interview conducted by matt taibbi with tim robbins now i know you know tim robbins isn't exactly a small uh timer but what i what the thing he's discussing is worth uh the spotlight because he's discussing theater but not big theater not broadway he's discussing community small theater Uh, and it's a really great conversation i think it's an important conversation uh he definitely gets political in there but the thing that i love about it is he talks about how important uh small theater is for our culture for the community um, and for bridging the divide uh, in these really difficult political times. Uh, So it's a very thoughtful, insightful um, and inspiring interview, I think. So I'll link that in the show notes. Uh, It's Tim Robbins being interviewed by Matt Taibbi. Uh, Stay tuned for next week. We tackle a film that's probably been been on the docket for quite some time, uh, but I've been saving it for a special occasion, uh, to quote Sandlot, um, saving it for a good time. Um, yeah. And so we're going to cover uh, Quentin Tarantino's Reservoir Dogs. And so this will be coinciding with the release uh, of a short film that I made a few years ago that I've been waiting to release um, publicly, at least. And uh, so excited to do that. And you can hear more about that next week. I'll tell you what it feels like to direct a Quentin Tarantino script because that's what everyone wants to do. No. Yeah, right. <laughs> but really fun nonetheless. Um, and if, if you're enjoying the show, don't forget you can subscribe, uh, drop us a review and leave us a note. If there's something you want us to talk about, the kinds of things you find uh, interesting. Um, you can do that on this episode at thepestlepodcast.com slash nights. And our quote of the day today is from Wong Kar Wai. We're all unlucky in love sometimes. When I am, I go jogging. The body loses water when you jog, so you have none left for tears. I, 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 I know the feeling of the escaping. It's it's less about the water and it's more about the getting it off your mind, the escape, the, 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 the making your body do something that's difficult, uh, so that your brain cannot, uh, stay in that moment and root in it. I love that. I think it really speaks to two things, um, how disconnected, uh, romantics are from reality, um, while also overly plugged into reality. Uh, because on the one hand, that's literally not true. I, I don't think the the same water comes from tears and sweat. Uh, those are, you know, disconnected systems as, as far as I understand. I'll, I'll look that up and, you know, correct myself in the show notes. But uh, it also tells you, you know, just what it means to, you know, give yourself over to something um, like love, like romance, uh, because it, it wreaks chaos and you're doing whatever you can to survive. And so I'm really glad that he's the kind of person uh, who's willing to go to these places and explore it 
and you know take some wins take some losses uh and ultimately put it on celluloid you know let us mm-hmm. let us all sit there with you uh won't cry why uh much, much appreciated yeah yeah anyway uh i i don't i don't have anything to add to that it's such a such a beautiful it, it, that's the that's the wonderful thing about this guy is that he can say something like that and it can mean to, maybe that it means that to him you know yeah. maybe it is a physical thing for him yeah. that he can't cry about something because he's he's sweat out a lot maybe uh but for me i i think it's exactly what you're saying though it's it's the attempt to escape like yeah. this is what I, i'll do anything there's nothing like dealing with heartbreak uh because it just wreaks absolute havoc on your life on the one hand uh you can't sit still you know on the other hand you you don't want to move you don't want to go anywhere you just yeah. want to sit and stew uh it's a, it's a massive contradiction in terms um yeah. which is you know i guess full circle back to uh, blueberry pile and mode right it's cold it's hot it's sweet and you know it's crunchy it's soft it's amazing um and at the same time you know you shouldn't be partaking (laughs) (laughs) yeah oh man uh yeah i I would agree this is one of my favorite episodes if not my favorite uh this is probably other than maybe one or two other films that we've done my favorite one uh that we've covered for sure so thank you for calling it out sounds like my kids are playing (laughs) screaming in the background if you liked this episode, please let us know. Subscribe, review, review us wherever you can, and um, and share us with your friends. And let us know if there's another film uh, that you'd like to hear us uh, cover, because we we'd love to hear from you. Uh, and maybe who knows, maybe we'll cover it. And tell us what you like and what you didn't like. We'd love to hear it. Until next time, I'm Todd. I'm Wes. Go watch some movies. <laughs>